God doesn't call the ones qualified. He qualifies the ones He calls. Pastor Xavier Reese with The Simple Truth. Paul wrote to the Colossians and said this, Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received of the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Fulfill it. Oh, but my ministry is so significant. Fulfill it. Oh, but you don't know what God has called me to. Fulfill it. Has He called you? Then He's enabled you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The space shuttle typically accommodated five to seven highly trained astronauts per mission. However, it required critical constant communication on the ground with many thousands of technicians and engineers, meticulously ensuring the mission's safety and success. And so it is with our mission as the called of God. He not only enables those He calls, but He is standing by to confirm the work to be accomplished. And that's precisely the promise we see in the commission of the faithful servant and prophet, Jeremiah. And today we join our teacher, Pastor Xavier, continuing our current series in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Let's listen. The commission of Jeremiah was specific. The Lord put His hand on and touched Jeremiah's mouth. The experience of Jeremiah was real. It was significantly, in, in his experience, um, just an awesome thing. He, he had heard about things, but now what's happening to him, he had touched his lips. Now, this is not a mystical experience that Jeremiah is having that's subjective. This is a real experience that he's having, an encounter with God. You and I, as Christians, have had a personal encounter with God and have had many other encounters and times when we have been just down, when we have been confused, when we've been seeking Him, and we know that we haven't seen Him, we know of His presence when He's ministered unto us. It's a legitimate, personal, intimate experience as the one that Jeremiah is having here. The Lord... Notice then declared, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. The content of Jeremiah's message was to be God's word, not his own. He would be the instrument of God for the people of God. He would be delivering the message from heaven, not his own. This was God's message from heaven to the people of God. Notice in verse 10, the commission of Jeremiah was to be an international one. He's already told him that once, now he's reaffirming it. He's confirming it again. God was setting him over the nations and over kingdoms. This was a confirmation to his call in verse 5. A prophet to the nations. This type of call had been given to Isaiah, to Amos, to Ezekiel. To deliver God's word not only to their own people, but to the Gentile nations. And so God described the commission as destructive. Notice that in verse 10. And constructive by a threefold declaration. The emphasis being on destruction first, followed by restoration. To root out and pull down. To destroy and to throw down. To build and to plant. The nation had become so corrupt and so rebellious against God that she could not be restored. She had crossed that line. What a sad 
commentary on the nation that has such high privilege. Listen to Jeremiah 30, verse 12 and 13. For thus saith the Lord, your affliction is incurable. Your wound is severe. There is no one to plead your cause that you may be bound up. You have no healing medicines. They had crossed that line. As a nation, it was over. Individually, there was hope. And so notice, secondly, here in verse 11 through 16, the commission of Jeremiah is followed by two visions. Now, the first one in verse 11 and 12, the first time the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the Lord asked Jeremiah what he saw. What do you see, Jeremiah? Jeremiah responded, he saw a branch of an almond tree. The almond tree was the first to blossom while all the others were dormant somewhere in January. In fact, because of that, it was called the awake tree. The awake tree. Now, the word almond has the root meaning of awake or watch. It is a play on words that we don't get in our English. It is a play on word with the next verse. In verse 12, the phrase, I am has the same root to awake and to watch. In other words, God was awake and watching over His Word. God was affirming the response of Jeremiah and then interprets the vision for Jeremiah. He was awake, watching, ready to perform or awaken the Word of his judgment that had been prophesied by the prophets of the past, now in Isaiah's day. God had been warning through Isaiah, through Habakkuk, through Nahum, through Zephaniah, through many of them. And he says, I've been watching. You know that tree is the first to awake? I'm the first to remember my word. And I'm watching and I'm bringing it to pass now in judgment. So God was beginning to prepare the training of Jeremiah here. He was tuning his ear, his eye, to God. Remember the high priest, when they would anoint him, they would take some of the blood, put in his right ear to consecrate the ear of him to the God, his big thumb to do the work of God, and his great big toe to walk in the ways of God. And so here God is beginning to train the spiritual eye and ear, if you will, of the prophet for the task at hand. There were many who did not think God was going to judge them, see? They were real brash in that day. We're going to get some of that as we move through it. Let me just give you one in Jeremiah seventeen fifteen. They said, indeed, they say to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. <laughs> And there are a lot of people like that today. Yeah, judgment, the end of the world. Yeah, Armageddon. And it's almost in a mocking way, you know. You Christians are always doomsday prophets. No, no, no. We offer you the greatest hope in the world, the soon return of Jesus Christ. But the world doesn't believe. The greater insult is because they were once God's people. Now, we get a little picture of that. If you're a parent and you've had some kind of falling out with your child and your child has told you some things that are not too kind and been an ingrate, then you get a little glimpse of what happened to the nation of Israel towards God. You understand the heart of a father. 
you understand the violation of that. Notice in verse 13 through 16, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. This is the second vision. The Lord again asked Jeremiah, what do, you, what do you see? And the prophet Jeremiah responded that he saw a boiling pot that was facing away from the north. And then in verse 14 and 15, the Lord again interprets the vision for Jeremiah. Take note of that. God interprets the vision. God then says, okay, Jeremiah, what do you think this is? Well, I think that, well, yeah, that, that'll do. No. God is the one that's interpreting the visions. In verse 14, the Lord tells Jeremiah that the calamity of judgment would come from the north and it would be on all the inhabitants of the land. The enemies of Israel were always coming from the north. The north of the city was the most vulnerable. If you study its history. Now, it's talking about Babylon. Babylon is northeast, but she still has to come down through the mountains over through Syria to attack her from the north. That's the kingdom that was going to take her into captivity. Now, notice he says that they shall set their thrones, in verse 15, at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. We have the fulfillment of that in record by Jeremiah. In chapter 39, verse 3, it says, Then all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate. And he gives us the name of all these guys, Nergal, Sherezer, Sangar, Nebel, Sarsechim, Rabsaris, and Nagel, Sarazar, and Rabmag, with the rest of the princes and king of Babylon. There's some names if you're going to have some babies. Um, why all the dumb detail? Because God is very detailed. God said these guys were going to sit on the gates and take over their authority. And so they did. And he gives their names. God wants to make sure that no one says, you know, this was just coincidence. Look at verse 16. The Lord gives the reason for the judgment. The Lord would utter his judgment because all of their wickedness. They had become evil. On every way, every level. Because they had forsaken Him. They had left Him, the spring of living water, and hewn out for themselves broken sisters and those who could hold no water. Because they had burned incense to other gods, which were no gods. Because they had worshipped the work of their own hands. They had become disloyal to the covenant. And a faithless bride, as chapter 2 will tell us. God said, listen, I'm the Creator. That's why I gave Him the record in Genesis. I created the stars, the moon, the sun... Everything, the earth, all the animals, you don't have to worship them, worship me. You don't have to fear them, fear me. Everything you see, I made. There's nothing greater than me. They have no excuse, man has no excuse because God has given us a record. Do you understand if we didn't have the first 11 chapters of Genesis, there would be no way we could explain this stinking world? But because you do have those first 11 chapters, you know why people are the way they are. Because they're fallen into sin nature. They rebelled against God. There's a creator. We have the answers. We can understand society. Man is evil. He's chosen his own way. As Amos was commissioned to the northern kingdom and he pronounced judgment over them. Because of their injustices and their unrighteousness towards people. And he was prophesying, one Amaziah, the high priest of Bethel, said this to Amos. They were tired of Amos. He was a faithful prophet. He says, go you seer, flee to the land of Judah. 
There eat bread, and there prophesy, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is a king's sanctuary, and it is a royal residence. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore trees. I was a fruit picker. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people, Israel. God commissioned him. He was faithful. It wasn't easy, but he went. When God commissions a person, they are aware of that task, the task that God calls them to, because God's not the author of confusion. It is very clear when God calls a man, he understands it. Jesus told Ananias in Acts 9.15, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Speaking about Paul. Ananias was to lay hands on him. Paul was a chosen vessel, commissioned. Paul understood what God had called him to. And he never shirked back from it. When God speaks to a person through a dream or a vision, it will be God who is responsible to give that interpretation, not any man. Do you remember Joseph in Genesis 41, 16? When Pharaoh heard that he could interpret dreams and he brought him forward, he said, I heard you can interpret dreams. And Joseph said, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh the answer of peace. If you have dreams and visions are for today. You better read Joel, Acts 2. The last days, your, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. So I've gone from vision, I'm more the candidate for dreams now. But if it's God, God will give you the interpretation. You don't have to seek out a preacher or a teacher or anybody else to interpret it for you. God will give you the interpretation. You're not going to have to go anywhere. And the evidence of that is he'll confirm it through his word and you'll have peace. It won't be off the wall, won't be weird, won't contradict the word of God. It'll be right in line with the revealed will of God. Very important. When God commissions a person, it is to accomplish one of two things. Some will be convicted of their sin and repent and be saved. Others will be convicted of their sin but reject and they'll be damned. And those are two things the Word of God does all the time consistently. Listen to Isaiah 55.11. God declares to Isaiah, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. It saves or it condemns. It's the only two things God's Word does. And the decision is upon us. No one else. This was the commission of Jeremiah. Awesome one. And notice lastly, the commending of Jeremiah. He's all ready to go. God's going to send him. Verse 17, first of all, God tells Jeremiah what he was to do. Jeremiah was to prepare himself or write and speak all the people that he had commanded him. All. He was to be obedient. This was a conclusion of all that preceded by the word, therefore. The preparation was in view of what God had revealed to him and enabled him. And now he had his part to do. It's called co-participation. 
God does his part, we do our part. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that wills and does of his good pleasure. That co-participation. God calls me, he enables me, and he says, go. I am part of the process. He was not to diminish any of the words given to him by God. All of them to be proclaimed. But notice also Jeremiah was not to be dismayed before their faces. Lest God dismay him before their faces. And the word dismay there means to be shattered, to be afraid, scared, terrified. And you can only imagine to be sharing things with a crowd that is not really favorable towards you. Jeremiah was to fear God more than the people. As he would see the people's anger and their hateful faces, he was to utter the judgment. God is telling Jeremiah over and over again, Jeremiah, it's not going to be easy. But he also keeps telling, I won't be with you. Isn't that what he tells us as Christians? Is the Christian life easy? Anyone want to say it's easy so I can laugh at you? But he says he'll be with us. Notice secondly, verse 18, God tells Jeremiah what he was, had made him. God told Jeremiah he had made him untouchable. That very day, three metaphors are given of his ministry. And this is a source of encouragement to him. A fortified city, an iron pillar, and a brazen wall against the whole land. No one will be able to touch him. Four classes of people are the target of the judgment in their degree of responsibility. Mark them well. Against the kings of Judah, they're the first. Second, the princes. Third, the priests. Fourth, the people. God goes by accountability. To those who much is given, much is required. Notice thirdly in verse 19. God tells Jeremiah what he was to remember. They would fight against him. Oh Lord, you have to bring that up. They're going to fight against you. But they would not prevail against him. The reason was that the Lord was with him to deliver him. Jeremiah would not be alone in his ministry. You will not be alone in your time of need, nor I. All of us will have to go through some times in our life where it's us and God alone. Nobody else. We can kick, we can shout, we can threaten God will let us go and do our thing. And then he'll say, you done now? You got to take this test. doesn't make any difference. And he doesn't let us slide. It's him and I. No one else. Jeremiah would be protected by God. The three metaphors, fortified city, the iron pillar, and the brazen wall symbolize the people's inability to stop him or kill him until his ministry is over. And I believe that 100%. I see it in Scripture. I've seen it in people's lives. The bee is held in more honor than other animals. Not because of her labor, but because her labor is for others. Jeremiah is... Up there among the prophets. I mean, why? Because he labored for others. All that he went through was not for him. 
It was for others. Paul wrote to the Colossians and he said this, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received of the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Colossians chapter 4 at the end. Fulfill it. Oh, but my ministry is so significant. Fulfill it. Oh, but you don't know what God has called me to. Fulfill it. Has he called you? Then he's enabled you. Each person who is called and commissioned by God will have to decide if they are going to fear God or fear man. Listen to 1 Samuel 12, 24. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things He has done for you. Fear Him. 2 Samuel 23, 3. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. It is so easy to start fearing man. We must fear God rather than man. We must have our eyes fixed on the Lord and His Word so that we become faithful instead of faithless. It's easy to do. Compromise is the easiest thing to do. Our whole society is built upon compromise and it has crept into the church like floodwaters. Each person who is called and commissioned by God, I believe, will be indestructible till the fulfillment of their ministry. If you are walking in obedience and you are walking in step with God's direction, I believe that you are indestructible until He is through with you. I am a perfect example of that. By God's grace, I should have been dead on February the 2nd. C2 fracture. Broken neck. Nine out of ten die right there on the scene. The other one dies in transport. God's not done with me. <laughs> I don't mean that I can cross a freeway with my eyes closed. <laughs> you do not tempt the Lord. You stay in track with Him. You stay in step with Him. I guarantee you, you will die right on time. That's a great way to live. Listen to Paul. He believed it. Second Timothy 1.12 for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Where's Paul when he's saying this? The Marriott? He's in the Mamertine prison in Rome, ready to have his head chopped off. Man, this was the commending of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was walking into the lion's den. But listen, if God goes before you, He'll shut the mouth of the lion. Daniel proved that. <laughs> Man, the call of Jeremiah unfolds in these three simple movements. But what it reveals to us is just of great value because it's applicable to our lives. As a general principle to all of us as Christians, but much more to me as your pastor. That I remain faithful to my call. That I remain faithful and movable regardless of what happens in our nation. What happens in the church. That I proclaim the word of God faithfully to you. Because God will hold me responsible for it. And to any preacher and teacher God has called. Woe to the one who does not. Paul says, woe to me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with the prophet Jeremiah the simple truth of Romans 8, in that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And just before we close for today, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled Jeremiah the Prophet are available on CD for only $4. And we'll also be including everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is simply Jeremiah the Prophet. Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 